there's nothing creepier than someone or something secretly watching you when you're not looking. Well, that's the premise of a recent holiday keepsake called Elf on a Shelf. I'm your host, Essence, and welcome to the 12 Days of Christmas. on the shelf so when i was growing up this was totally not a thing like this did not exist uh this is a more recent thing within the last 10 years or actually maybe even less so let me tell you a little bit of about what elf on the shelf is about so here is the history of elf on a shelf or the backdrop so the elf hides himself in people's homes watches the good and the bad flies back to the north pole and then hides in a new spot every single day so this is the story that you tell the kids obviously but as a grown-up, you go to the store, you buy the elf, and you put him in different spots. People have, like, done some interesting things with their elf and, like, put him in very, like, random spots, random positions. I've seen someone tape their elf to a wall, like, just really random stuff. But that's kind of the backdrop of it is that he will hide, quote-unquote hide, even though you can see him, um, hide in people's homes, watch the good and the bad, um, mostly for the kids, I mean, you know, um, and then at the end of the day flies back to the North Pole to give a report to Santa and then comes back in a new spot, and I have air quotes up, in a new spot every day. So basically what happens is when the kids go to sleep, mom and dad put the elf in a new spot, quote-unquote, and when the kids wake up, they're like, oh, the elf you know, flew to the North Pole and came back and now he's sitting in a different spot. So the elf gets his magic from being named and loved by the child. The elf gets his magic from being named and loved by the child. Hmm. If you can, um, oh, and sorry. And if you touch it, if you touch it, the magic goes away. Although you can't touch it, you can tell it what you want and have it report back to Santa. So you can't touch the elf, but you can talk to him and tell him what you want. And then when he goes back to the North Pole, he'll tell Santa if you're good, if you're bad, and exactly what you want. So that's Elf on a Shelf, which is very popular and is all over the place. But there's another thing, which is like the counterpart to Elf on the Shelf, which is Mensch on a Bench. <laughs> and this is the Jewish like comparison to Elf on a Shelf. So Mensch in Yiddish means person of integrity or honor. So Mensch on a Bench has pretty much the same kind of concept as elf on the shelf but mench on a bench is for jewish people so let's dissect elf on a shelf because if you haven't like picked it up by now it seems pretty innocent but elf on the shelf is pretty weird and pretty twisted because a lot of what the premise of elf on the shelf is is a lot of like a comparison to jesus and the things that Jesus is meant to do. So let's start with this. The elf hides and watches the good and the bad. So I personally look at this as almost like a scare tactic. Like, you know, the elf is watching you, like it's, it's hiding and it knows if you do good and it knows if you do bad. And really we should not have to have like an elf or some fictional character, you know, quote unquote, watching you in secret to see if you're doing Um, good or bad so that you get presents. So I'm just going to take you through a couple of scriptures here. Psalm 20 is Psalm 139 and it's verses one to six. So elf, the elf hides and watches the good and the bad. But 
in comparison, we know that God knows all. God doesn't have to hide. God doesn't have to be watching over your shoulder or over your, you know, your lampshade or like your counter and watching if you do good or bad. God already knows the good and the bad. So Psalm 139, 1-6 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me, be- you have hedged me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot in- attain it. So, like, think about those scriptures. The psalmist here is pretty much saying, "You know me. You know my sitting down and my rising off. You know my thoughts afar off." God knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows what you're going to do. He knows what you've done and he knows what you're doing right now. He doesn't need to hide. He doesn't need to spy on you because God is already all knowing and already watching you. The next thing about um, God is that he sees all. So I kind of got into it before where like, you know, the elf will spy on you and see if you're doing good or bad. But let's get into Proverbs 15, three here. It says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So again, they're taking biblical things and they're turning them into a concept with an elf that he sees the good and he sees the bad and he reports back to Santa. The eyes of God are in every place. He can see you. He can see the family next door. He can see the family in in another country all at once. Now, like it said in Psalms, my mind can't comprehend it, but that's God. And there's a reason why I'm not God and why God is God, because he knows everything and he can see everything. So God is already keeping a watch on the good and the evil. Where do you think they're getting the concept for Elf on the Shelf from? Hmm. The Bible? Oh, no. Okay, moving on. The Elf gives a report to a higher being, aka Santa. So at the end of the day, when the Elf collects all of the information, good or bad, he goes and reports back to Santa. And there's this like, you know, this thing behind Santa, like he's like this wonderful, mystical, I don't want to call him a creature, but let's say character who he's the one who's going to drop the presents. He's the one that's going to um, reward us for our good behavior. Like it all goes back to Santa. Well, for us, we know that it all goes back to God because God is our only, sorry, Jesus is our only mediator. And the elf is pretty much acting as a mediator between man and God. But we know that Jesus is our mediator. This is kind of like what Catholics do. Um, It's like they have to confess their sins to a priest. And the priest is kind of the one who will forgive their sins and kind of acts as like this mediator. We know that, number one, we have direct access to God. We can go to him and we can lay our burdens at his feet. We can speak to him. We can have a real relationship with him directly. We don't need an elf. We don't need anyone to to act as that middle ground for us. However, um, we do know that Jesus bridged the gap between us and God to give us direct access to God. So instead of having someone report back to Santa or to report back to God, Jesus is our mediator. So let me take you to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So we know we don't need an elf on the shelf. Okay, if you're thinking about getting your kids an elf on the shelf this year, do your thing. But just remember, there's only one mediator, and that is Jesus himself. And so when I think about this new concept of elf on the shelf and these like these things, I'm like, literally, every single concept 
is referring back to biblical principles, things that are literally written in scripture. And not only are they commercializing it, but they're also really downplaying the spiritual power that is in behind all of these things. God seeing all, God knowing all, Jesus being our mediator. All of those things come from the Bible. This is not like some person who had this amazing idea. Oh my gosh, this elf is going to report back to Santa. This elf sees everything. This elf, No, that's, that's all God. That's all Jesus. So the last thing here is that the elf gets magic power from the love of a child. So the whole thing is that you're supposed to name the elf and love the elf. And, you know, based on you naming him and loving him, then that's how he gets his magic. Hmm. That sounds very counterintuitive to what the Bible tells us about God. Think about it. Can we attain God's love any other way by our own human powers, by our own will? We can't. You know, the Bible talks about us, talks about us being sinners and our good works being like dirty rags. Like if you really look at it, God has no incentive to love us the way he does or to reward us or to bless us the way that he does, but he still does. Let's read Acts 17, 24 to 25. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives life to all, breath and all things. Listen, in this scripture, it was talking about, um, you know, in the Old Testament, they were physically trying to make temples for God to dwell in. And this scripture is basically saying God does not dwell in temples made with human hands. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't dwell in any place that we try to dumb him down to or try to contain him. God doesn't need us to do anything for him. He doesn't need us to love him or name him. God is God and he stands alone. There's something called aseity. I think I'm saying that right. Aseity. And it means a being that exists in and of itself, from itself. And it's basically, um, you know, a theological term. And it's pretty much saying this is a God that doesn't need anything to survive. It doesn't need anything to exist. You know, a lot of people will say, well, who made God? God does, like God exists in and of himself. He is it. You know, he does not need anything from any outside source to exist, to function, to live, to create or anything, but the elf does. The elf needs you to love him. The elf needs you to, you know, name him and whatever in order for him to get his magic and for him to exist. Listen, not only is God all powerful, all knowing, he is God in and of himself. He needs nothing from us. And so this Christmas season, you know, it's a lot of commercial things. It's a lot of, you know, outside things going on. And I know at the end of the podcast, we always tell you, you know, try to remember what the real reason for this season is. But you know, another tip or, you know, a little um, offset from that is just to remember a lot of things that we see in our day-to-day life that we take lightly derived from the Bible. They came from the Bible. These concepts, they're biblical. Think about the candy cane. Did you know if you flip a candy cane upside down, it's a J and it's a J for Jesus. And that's really where it came from. There's a lot of things that we see on a day-to-day basis that we don't even know is connected to biblical principles. So I encourage you this Christmas season, look around, open your eyes and see exactly where these things are coming from. They're all coming from God.
We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We look forward to counting down the 12 days of Christmas with you. And don't forget, we are releasing a new episode every single day until Christmas Eve. So tune in again tomorrow and thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.